Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Copland Talk. This week, we're going over Chapter 9, Tellings of the Wheel. And let me tell you, you probably already know, this chapter is a doozy. There's a lot going on. A lot of dreams, a lot of storytelling. We'll get into it. This might be a longer episode. We'll see. I think uh, so, Lily, yeah. why don't you go ahead and Hello. give us Hello, your first impressions. Hello, Copland Talkers, part of the Wheel of Friendship uh community we're gonna we're just i'm just gonna weave that in as we go because i'm gonna really push the wheel of friendship community anyway hello it's lily uh yes as julia said this is quite a chapter um i i mean in most episodes i take more of a backseat obviously julia has the knowledge but this one really threw me because lots of nouns moraine goes into a full dissertation about the trollic war history and i was pretty lost so my initial reactions starts with Rand and his dream. I was telling Julia pre-show, I thought that they had kind of skipped forward in time and he already was in Tarval in training and this was sort of his training sequence, you know, his Rocky training montage. Turns out, not really. But I, I got, you know, just a couple paragraphs in. I understood it was a dream before it was actually revealed to be. You can sort of just mm-hmm. tell that. Um, I mm-hmm. did think that he was kind of describing Dragon Mount and Tarvalin. Um, there's mm-hmm. a part where he's talking about a mountain and then there's sort of a river going by it. And he describes the mountain is unique because there's no other mountains around it. And there's a river that's like snaking around it. And I was like, yep. all right, well, yep. those descriptors yep. were in the prologue. They're here. So it probably is Dragon Mount. And I believe this palatial estate he's describing is Tarvalin. I could be wrong. Regardless, he has this sense, innate sense of familiarity with both of those places. And I'm not sure why. I don't think he's sure why, but I thought that was interesting. I'm like, all right, he's having dreams about these places. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why this chapter was a bit more confusing to me because the descriptions are like leveled up to a thousand. It is so oh, yeah. described. Like um, there's a part where Rand in his dream is talking about the intricate uh, sculpting on the entrance to this building and he's saying like there's no knife that would be able to carve these detailings like that's yes. how much um we were getting into the description so i love it was i know it, we'll, we'll get into the palace I'm, and you're gonna take over then because uh, yeah again i was confused but the main point i got from his dream was that he finally got to go to coachella because he gets right? to do his little dancing at the end and i love this quote <laughs> Girls danced around him, laying garlands of sweet-smelling blossoms across his shoulders. He could not help to smile back. He threw back his head and laughed. His feet were lighter than they had ever been. <laughs> yeah. I was so happy, because obviously Coachella x Beltine 2021 didn't happen, and so I'm glad, at least in his dream, he's mm-hmm. he's dancing and stuff. He gets a little, like, happiness. Then it's like, oh, it's actually a mid-draw, and then you're like, yeah. wait. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's some plot twists. So, again, confusing, but that's what I got. And then, of course, he wakes up and Tam's alive once again. How? I understand <laughs> Moraine with her Aes Sedai and her Angriol saved him, but it is still confusing to me. But I did think it was interesting. I had said in previous uh, chapters that I thought it was important for Tam to die because he kind of would be holding Rand back from going on this journey. Being his father, he wants to protect his son. Um, And one of his quotes, he says, I should be going with you, 
the world outside the two rivers is nothing like Emmons Field. But then he goes on to not hold Rand back. He's just sort of warning Rand about Aes Sedai. He even quotes almost directly the Gleeman. This guy keeps coming up. I can't believe this in the whole... Maybe he's a little bit right. Maybe. Where the whole, like, Aes Sedai do things for their own reasons, like, just be... Um, be wary of that. And he also um, points out that Lan being Moraine's warder, he is tied to her, not just like they're good friends, like he's tied to her through the one power. Her her mm-hmm. pulling on the one power helps him heal, helps him go without food longer. Like they're like this. Oh, right. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. So, so don't trust either of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was like, all right, Tam, like, you're, you're an okay dad. Also, Julia told me to cut back yeah. on the Tam hate, and so I'm trying. No, well, I'm just, I've decided that I won't stand for more Tam slander anymore. I may have written suck it in my notes when <laughs> Tam doesn't try to stop Rand from going and instead wishes him yeah. uh, that he could go with him. But, you know, it's fine. You can have your opinion. No, it, and that, that's, that's, a fair, uh, that's a fair thing to stand for because I, I am wrong. Listeners, dear listeners, you will find that I am wrong most always okay so just <laughs> y- not, you'll not get it most. um but yeah and of course tam admits of that you know he doesn't exactly know why rand is so important and why the trollocs attacked he even doesn't remember that it happened and it, i i don't know if rand was trying to say a joke but he was like yeah the trollocs came and we lost a bunch of sheep and you know the house probably has to be cleaned i was like <laughs> of yeah. course the house has to be it's covered with flour trollic blood everywhere like mm-hmm. I don't know what he was trying Trollic to say. Trollic bodies, Trollic bodies, exactly. Still. Yeah. Um, but Narg is still there. <laughs> oh, Nargi. Rest in peace, Nargi boy. Yeah, he's still there. And then Tam is saying that like I don't exactly know why you're important or what, but clearly you will be safest with Aes Sedai, even though I don't trust them a hundred percent. Like I can sense that that's where you're going to be safe in Tarvalon with other Aes Sedai. I don't know. I just think in his words, he's he knows that Rand is about to go on this life-changing journey. And I think Tam knows yeah. that this is probably the last time they're going to see each other. And he's kind of preparing Rand for a lot of different things. Yeah. Because clearly Rand, to no fault of his own, is just so naive to the world around him and doesn't really understand what's about to happen. And I think Tam, as was alluded to in a few chapters ago, knows kind of some of the horrors of the outside world and the battles and the wars and with the Aes Sedai and all of this stuff and so he sort of is like you're gonna take this sword you're you're gonna need it or he says like light I hope we both don't need it but come on he's gonna need it yeah no I think there's even one line and we'll get into the summary after this there's even one line though that where Tam or no Rand tells Tam that he'll come back Mm. he promises that he'll come Mm -hmm. back to the village and Tam just kind of laughs and says of course you will which is so sad but I think he knows that it's going to be a while, if ever, they see each other again. Yeah, it's kind of like so. in uh, Interstellar when he's like, I'll come back to Murphy. That movie it's so good. gets me like no other. It's so good. That movie is one of the few movies that gets better every single time I watch it. And I notice something different. That movie totally is agree. absolutely excellent. But that reminds me because it's like he kept his promise, uh, but she... Oh, God. Oh, God. I can't handle it. I'm going to have to recalibrate. I'm going to start sobbing. All right. Back to other more horrifying things. Go ahead, Julie. In this chapter. Okay. We start off with Rand basically having a nightmare. He's in a strange, barren land. He's being chased by Trollocs. 
and he, he runs away from them to the top of a cliff, but it's a dead end. In the middle of this great valley beneath him, there's a single tall black mountain that seems to drain his strength and fills him with helplessness. And when Rand hears a voice say, serve me, he curses Shaitan. He, he names the Dark One and throws himself over the cliff. Not a good idea. No. Suddenly, though, he's no longer in the barren land, but somewhere else. He's near a lone mountain with a broken peak, but this time it's just a normal mountain. It doesn't fill him with a sense of dread. And in the distance, there's a beautiful city. But when Rand starts walking towards it, he can feel pursuers behind him again. And he runs and runs, but the city is getting farther away. It's like a horrible nightmare. I've, how many people have had this exact nightmare where you can't run away? And finally, he trips and falls and lands on the paving stones of the bridge leading into the city itself. So he finally makes it there. Finally, he's in a place that feels safe. There's a large white tower in the center of the city that beckons him, and the people of the city seem to encourage him towards it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, <laughs> we'll get into like this whole dream sequence in more detail later. Eventually, Rand makes it inside the tower, uh, and there's a murderall waiting for him there. And Rand wakes up. The nightmare's over. It's all fine. Question mark? Mm -hmm. So... After that, he wakes up in Tam's room at the inn in Emmons Field, and it's nearly nighttime. It's nearly time to go, but Tam is awake, he's alive. So Rand tells him everything that happened since he passed out, and tells him that Moraine Sedai thinks he needs to leave the village. Uh, that is where I said suck it, because Tam doesn't try to stop Rand hey, it's, it's <laughs> from going. It's, hey, I'll, I'll eat it. It's fair, that's fair. <laughs> Instead, he wishes that he was well enough to travel with Rand and the Aes Sedai. And like Lily mentioned, Tam gives him some final advice about dealing with Aes Sedai, another reminder that they do things for their own reasons and not always the reasons you think. They can't lie, but they might twist their words in a way that you don't expect. And then finally, Lan pops into the room and tells Rand it's time to go, there's actually trouble outside. So he and Tam say their goodbyes, and Tam tells Rand to keep the sword. Matt is waiting outside the room, actually, and they all rush downstairs to see a crowd of Coplins and Congers and Sen Bui to Thatcher, I guess sea names are cursed in this series, uh, yelling at Moraine outside of the inn, blaming her for the Trolloc attack. Luckily, the mayor and the blacksmith, Bran and Harl Luhan, managed to shame the crowd a little bit by reminding them of all the help and healing that Moraine provided, and some of the crowd, however, remains unconvinced. Moraine shuts everyone up, though, by whirling her staff around while white flames flared from each end. She laments that the people of Emmonsfield have forgotten who they were, and tells the story of Manetherin, a grand city that fell during the Trolloc Wars and whose descendants settled in the two rivers. We'll get into this later. There's a lot to talk about. The story finally shames the crowd enough, and some people even apologize to Moraine and say she can stay in the village as long as she likes. But the Coplins just leave without saying anything classic Coplin. <laughs> and with things finally settled, Lan, Matt, and Rand head back into the inn, back to the barn to prepare to leave Emmons Field. Whew! It was a big chapter. There's a lot going on, yeah, even though lot. there's not a lot of movement here, uh -huh. but there's so much. It's just a lore dump, kind of. Yeah. And no, exposition overload. Yes. That's kind of definitely. why I'm like brain overload right now because i think the mm -hmm. previous chapters have been pretty straightforward even the name of this chapter is tellings of the wheel so already mm -hmm. you're getting a sense of like 
this is story time. You know, this isn't out of the woods. This isn't, um, what were some of the other chapter names? Place of safety. There's like a sense of of movement there or a sense of a place. This is like, all right, we are going Mm -hmm. to take a quick pause, Robert Jordan. Mm -hmm. I want my readers to know what's about to go down and to really get, I think, more of a character sense. And I think, too, like for somebody like me who's reading this for the first time, like, I understand Tam more, and I have more of a, right. you know, respect and sympathy for him that sort of left when he was, like, carried by a litter, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I liked how um, it mentioned when Tam woke up, or when Rand woke up, rather, that mm-hmm. a blanket lay at his feet where it had fallen when he woke. The makeshift litter was gone, too. I just love how they mentioned, yeah. like, that. that is gone. And so we have a visual representation, like, Tam is no longer being carried. He's on his bed. Yes, the blankets are up to his chin, but he's, you know, um, he's there. But I, I think, yeah, it's sort of this, what would be called, what, like a breather chapter? It's sort of preparing us for this journey forward because we're about to get a journey. I know, finally. I think I think they'll leave next chapter, probably. I mean, next chapter is called Leave Taking. I'm assuming that it means taking their leave. So, yeah, you would assume. That was free for y'all. That was a free prediction for y'all. Oh, wow. Julie, if you'd like, I'd like to go into the dream and kind of discuss that a bit. Let's start from the beginning, yeah. Like we were saying that there's so much here, um, but let's sort of go point by point. But I think the dream we can really break down. And I I think you mentioned this in your notes that dreams in fantasy series – they're not dreams. Like, these people are fantastical people. Their dreams mean a ton. If you remember... They always mean something, yeah. Something, right? If you... This is uh, famous in the Song of Ice and Fire series. Every dream that Bran has, it means everything. There's an entire uh, character arc of Daenerys in Dance with Dragon. It's her dreaming with the dragons. They all mean so much to those characters, and this has to mean a mm-hmm. lot to Bran. So... Uh, what I will say, this is pretty much all I got from the dream, because like I said, I pretty much was like, all right, well, he's at Coachella, uh, so that's what <laughs> yeah, I'm getting. In the good part of the dream, yeah. <laughs> in the good part of the dream, right? Um, but yeah, what I did get a sense, I wrote these two quotes down, um, a mountain as black as the loss of all hope, and then yep. like the shaitan, serve me a familiar voice. If he listened hard enough, he was sure he would know it. And this reminded me, so I said the darkness, it's pulling Rand to it. It's like calling to Rand. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's my sense of this entire dream, that the darkness is trying to pull him, right? Because he's clearly a good guy, right? I'm using quotes. Like the light, he's the, the light side, but the darkness is pulling. So this reminded me of the scene in The Last Jedi. I love that movie. Come at me, everyone. When <laughs> Controversial opinion. Yeah. Come at me, seriously. I, that's, that's a number one for me. Um, but it's when Ray is training on Atch 2 and she's having those visions of this like um, hole, this dark hole where there's like black weeds are going in. And Luke right, is like, right. you, you went to the dark side so quickly. You went right there. You didn't try to resist it at all. And I, I love that theme in Star Wars where it's simple light side and dark side, but it's not. It's they represent so much. And I think what the dark side represents, and this is said a lot, it's representing, you know, selfishness and uh, arrogance and just like an easy path mm-hmm. toward things, an evil path. Right. And so it's right. easy for everyone to go down that. It's harder to be a good person. It's harder to follow the light. And so I, I'm yeah. thinking this is kind of what Rand is experiencing just at the very beginning, that this journey he's about to go on 
in this training, like he's going to be tempted, he's going to be pulled away, he's going to be driven off course sometimes. So right. I could be way yeah. off, y'all, but this is sort no, of the no. sense that I'm getting from this. No, I like that point. And for this, the nightmare, I have like three main points that I want to talk about. One, the nightmare itself. Two, when Rand names Shaitan and the effects that that has. And then three, the things that seem oddly familiar to Rand, but he can't quite put his finger on why or where he remembers it from. But going back into the nightmare itself, yes, I think Rand's stubbornness saves him here because, like you said, he was getting pulled towards that mountain and and the voice says, serve me, and he could feel himself, his will, leaving, and he didn't have the strength to stay still until he remembers that he's mad. He's like, why? Who is this to tell me what to do? I'm not some sheep to be prodded into a pen, another sheep herder reference. <laughs> Classic Rand. Yes. Then he regains the strength enough to at least throw himself over the edge of the cliff. Mm-hmm. Just get away from everything. But it's definitely like this temptation for him that I think will probably be a theme throughout the series. Just, you know, staying true to yourself and not being tempted by the easy way out. But I want to talk about, before we really get into it, the description of this place that he's in. And if you have any guesses as to where this is, because the it it's basically Mordor and Mount Doom for Lord of the Rings, right? I don't know. Have, you've seen Lord of the Rings, right? I have. That's a series that I watched when I was younger, but I don't have the understanding of it like I do, like, you know, okay. Game of Thrones or anything. That's right, absolutely... Right, actually, right. to be fair, I was trying to watch Lord of the Rings recently, and my Hulu subscription didn't support it, and I went crazy so I, I'm trying to get back into this and I haven't <laughs> okay this. yeah it's on the that's list that's funny because yeah no this this series or at least this first book uh has a lot of similarities mm-hmm. to Lord of the Rings itself but basically this big giant scary mountain is very similar to Mount Doom it's like the source of all evil it seems like it's pulling the evil people towards it and there's a big swollen red sun that's bright enough to sear Rand's eyes, but it's very cold there. And there's all these crazy swirling black clouds in the sky and along the valley, just roiling and boiling. And it what appears to be fires beneath the clouds. Like, it's just this really crazy, fantastical, scary location. It's not anywhere I think anyone wants to be, really. It's just in the middle of these horrible mountains. I don't know. It just, I just like that description because it's 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 scary. But yeah, I, this is why I need you. Like I read this twice and I wasn't getting any of this. (laughs) I'm just like, all right, evil mountain, Rand's pulled toward it. He doesn't know why. I mean, you get, that's all, you got the feeling that it was bad and that's all you needed. As I was reading this, I was looking at the maps because you're right. I was trying to figure out like where, what is he talking about? Because I was looking around Tarvalin because, like I said, my initial thought was that he is already there and he's training. I'm like, okay, well, Dragon Mount is right next to Tarvalin, so maybe that's what he's describing. But Luz Theron, or um, just as of this week, we published our episode and uh, Julia's dad. Um, his reaction, he was calling Luz Theron, Lou Saren. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, he's never read the books, and all he knows is how we pronounce yeah. it, so uh, maybe we were slurring our words a little bit. I mean, bit. but it's also like Luz Theron isn't really a common yeah, it's, name. it's Luz Theron. 
is his name. L yeah, L E W S, Luz Theron. But anyway, uh Luz Theron obviously created Dragon Mount out of the light um or the, the light side of Sidene, so this I don't think would support the evilness of what is being described here. Um, but when I'm looking right. around at the map, like what other mountains are we talking about? I guess maybe the mountains <laughs> mountains of Dahum, D H O O M, and Shea uh, yeah. Sheal Sheal Ghoul. I guess maybe that yep. could be what we're talking about. But also, this is a dream, so it could just be like this manifestation of his his fears. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. The the context clues are there. I think. You're probably right with your guess. I don't know. I guess it's technically never confirmed, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay. But it's, either way, it's a source of evil, clearly. Not a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. And when Rand names Shaitan, mm-hmm. so this is basically the equivalent of naming the devil in our world, except it has very real consequences, even in a dream. When Rand says, light consume you, Shaitan, abruptly the smell of death lay thick around him and a figure looms over Rand, a figure in the cloak, the color of dried blood. And I love this description of it. This person who appears before him suddenly has a face that he can't even describe. I don't know if this is, I'm not an English major, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But to me, this feels very Lovecraftian, Mm. where it's, it, It's so terrifying that he can't even describe what the face looks like. It's just terror and fear to him. Like, I love that description. It's very, like, you can feel the emotion. No, I thought of uh, Dementor from Harry Potter. It's like, it's so horrifying. Mm -hmm. You can't even describe what the face is because the Dementor represents fear. So it's, it's whatever, whatever your fear is. That's, that's what it's seeing. But yeah, no, that's Lovecraftian. I think we've heard that a lot. Uh, yeah, I just, I like that. I like that naming Shaitan has real consequences in this world. You can't do it. Like, in the very first couple chapters, I think Matt had talked about how he pulled a prank on one of the Coplins or the Congars and got them to name Shaitan. And then after that, everyone became sick and their fields were ruined. I so love it's not like you can just do this and curse random people. Like, there's, there's consequence to to doing that Mm. in this world well i was i was gonna say too the quote from his dream where Rand mentioned shaitan is the light consume you shaitan and just now i went back to the prologue because i thought that luz theron said almost the exact same thing when emt said shaitan but he just go or emt goes shaitan take you does the taint have you so far in its grip and then luz theron says that name shy you mustn't say that name it's dangerous so it I don't, I don't know, but I, this, this might get into my predictions, but every chapter, and this is a big Rand chapter, obviously, mm-hmm. I think there are intentional similarities between him and Luce Theron. Because I had said last chapter, my ultimate prediction is Rand is the dragon reborn. He's not the false dragon. He is the one. He's the, you know, the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, but when I read this quote, it just reminded me of Luce Theron. So I, I might be grasping at straws here, but... Well, you know, to your point, I think that leads right into my third point. The things that Rand seems mm. oddly familiar to him, but he can't quite remember. Like, when he first sees the big scary mountain, he... This is a quote. He had never seen it before, but he knew it. The memory flashed away like quicksilver when he tried to touch it, but the memory was there. He knew it was there. And then... 
oh, and this is pretty much the same page, the familiar voice saying, serve me, when he, when Rand is looking at the mountain, if he listened hard enough, he was sure he would know it. So those two points when he's looking at this creepy mountain, there's something there tickling Rand's mind, but he can't quite put a finger on it. He doesn't really know. So I just, you know, wanted to point that out. I think it goes along with your mm-hmm. other point, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. All right, so why don't we talk about the city that he finally gets to. It's this beautiful city. The architecture, like you mentioned, is gorgeous. I, again, love the descriptions of everything. And I think he even says that the buildings look like they were meant to be, like, worked from nature themselves. Like, the big white tower that he ends up going towards was just carved from whatever mountain was there or something, or hill of that marble. I don't know. Uh, but things are not like the normal houses in Emmonsfield, let's just say, right? Like, it's not thatched roofs, it's stone buildings and very intricate details, and the bridges are look like they're laced, and, like, the lace is so thin that it shouldn't be able to support the bridge, but it does. And I think the bridge is even, like, half a mile long or something crazy like that. Like, there's just these really crazy-looking bridges leading over the river into the city itself. It's very, like, high fantasy, cool, fantastical city, right? It's pretty much like me, originally from the Midwest, going to New York City for the first time. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, to be fair, Rand is just a country bumpkin (laughs) sheep herder. Yeah. So maybe this isn't a crazy city, and that's just his perception. Again, this is all through his eyes, so we can't always trust everything Mm -hmm. that he says but i think it's pretty fair to say that this city is um prettier than the rest oh yeah i think even through his perspective this just based on the descriptions there's something very special about this place he's describing i believe this is a real place i don't think this is just a manifestation of his dream i think this is absolutely exists Mm -hmm. somewhere in the world yeah and i I think it's it's meant to contrast. So when he starts off the chapter with this dark, scary, evil place, and then he goes to this city that's white and feels like a place of safety. And he even mentions that the tower was where safety lay and knowledge he sought, which is weird. Because what what kind of knowledge is he does he think he's seeking in this chapter? He doesn't mention it, but for some reason he thinks there's knowledge there for him. Yeah, it um, it this also reminded me of like when. Uh, this is more like uh, Clone Wars stuff, but when Jedi would have to go into the Jedi Temple, to, and then that's kind of what they're seeking. Mm. It's like you're supposed to be seeking knowledge, but as Yoda says, you're really just seeking you like yourself and your true self. That I don't know. Right. I think yeah. Julie always squints when I do go to my my easy reference point Star Wars, but <laughs> I um, don't mean to. I uh, no. I was thinking about that a lot. I'm like this is like a Jedi yeah. Temple journey. Yeah. Yeah. And. One thing that's a little suspicious and even scares Rand a little bit while he's in the city is when he decides to take a detour. He knows he needs to go to the tower for whatever reason that's at the center. It's the biggest tower in the city. It's the tallest. It's the color of freshly fallen snow. But everything's so grand, he wants to explore a little bit while he can. But every time he turns down a road, the tower is there. Every road he turns down, the tower is there. And he's afraid to look behind him because he's afraid the tower will be there too. So it seems like it's it's inevitable, right? Like he can't avoid going to this tower. And even as he goes towards it, the crowd 
is excited. They're they're trying to guide him towards the tower. They're very disappointed when he's not at the tower or when he starts walking away from it. Their faces kind of fall. They start to lose hope. But as he walks closer and closer, they start celebrating more and more. And he hears another voice in his head that says, it is your destiny. And as he's closer, it says, your destiny, the voice whispered, insistent now, eager. So it's just... I have a I have a thought here. I just had a sort of a thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, to me, what is this representing? I think Rand, at least in his subconscious, is starting to understand, like, the gravity of the situation he's about to be in, is maybe feeling like, oh, I am actually an important person, and I don't think he feels that he's ready. So in this mm-hmm. dream, there's this place that he has to go to. Um, so it's this physical representation of, like, that's the goal, but in the ha- in his head, it's just like, I don't think I'm prepared to take this journey and to potentially be a savior of a bunch of people. Like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I'm trying to divert. I'm trying to go down the different roads. But no matter which path I take, this thing, it's still in front of me. And all of these people around me are pushing me towards this goal. But I don't see it in myself. I'm not ready. And I think his subconscious has this fear, but I don't think he presents with that yet. So I, maybe that's what right. it's telling him. But also, I just got sad because it's like that quote that... It is your destiny, it is your destiny. That's probably Tam. Like, I was just slapped in the face, like, hey, Lily, you're wrong about Tam. He is a supportive dad. Best dad ever mug. But I think Tam saying that, it's like, hey, don't really trust these people, but this is where you're meant to go. If I didn't think this was right for you, I would hold you back, but this is your destiny. And so I think maybe that's what Rand needs. I don't know. That's just you you describing it so well and so simplified that kind of made me think of that that maybe this is he's trying to get himself to a point of of like okay like i i can take this journey i need the people behind me though yeah well i think this dream even kind of uh reflects his his past day really remember this has only been maybe 48 hours really like 36 hours since the book has started but in the past day, he's had to fight back against these shadow spawn, these things that are just pure evil that eat humans for fun mm-hmm. because they want to, and bring his father to the village to safety to Moraine, who can heal him, and she wants to bring Rand to Tarvalin because that's the only place he can be safe if the Trollocs are after him. So in the dream, it's reflected by he starts off in this really evil place and eventually makes it to this place of safety this white city that and he's going to this tower where everyone wants him to go is kind of pushing him there so it could definitely i could see it being his subconscious just kind of fighting over what he has to do now something that's really difficult leaving his village for the first time i think the chapter even ends with him yeah realizing that this is the beginning mm-hmm. and everything's going to change from here oh, on Oh, really? Out. 140 pages in, now we're beginning, Rand? Yeah, yeah, just now, um, maybe we'll leave the village. <laughs> also, just uh, to lighten the mood a little bit, I wanted to mention this one betrayal <laughs> by Rand. Oh, no. In the chapter, when he's dancing with these girls, I'll quote here, his feet were lighter than they had ever been dancing with. He could not remember the name but it did not seem important. Fuckboy Rand is back. He can't even remember Egwene's name. He's having a great time with these girls he's never met before who just put flowers all over his shoulders. I mean, what about Rand, come on, Slender Shape? You don't remember Slender Shape? Like, that was the only force that was keeping you going as you're carrying your dead father? 
<laughs> Wait, no, but you're right. No. Betrayal. I mean, I think any time a 19-year-old uh, surrounded by a group of women and they put flowers around you, you're just like, mm-hmm. so this is heaven? True. Uh, yeah, well, he also did mention that the flowers were probably for him. He's like, I don't know why, but it seems like these are for me. So, you know, but Rand, I mean, it's also a dream. Calm so down. I forgive him, but it's just, I like that little snippet yeah. of he can't even remember what's going on. He's having such a great time. Uh, to Finally, be fair, Coachella. a lot a lot is on his plate and uh I was I was actually sure. pretty yeah. sad that Nynaeve and Egwene were not uh, mentioned in this chapter because as you know Nynaeve is my right. girl. So mm-hmm. and with Nynaeve comes Egwene. But they'll I think they'll be around. Um but it is sad because yeah. I think well. it's not just you know, Tam he's leaving behind. I think Egwene is very much on his mind. Like actually, yeah she's not mentioned but like that's part of his home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess even the fact that he almost remembered her in the dream <laughs> means that she's significant to him. It's not like he remembered anyone else. We give, okay, we give that men, sounds bad. We give men uh, credit for the littlest things. Well, he almost yeah. remembered my name, so I think he likes me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get married. I oh, think God. he looked at That's me. Too true. I know. I'm, I'm kind of now like, oof, it's too real. Anyway, all right, moving on. Why don't we talk about a little bit the warder benefits mm. that they get from being bonded to Aes Sedai. I think that's on page 134, mm-hmm. one of the top paragraphs. Uh, Rand talks about his what little knowledge he has about the bonding between Aes Sedai and warders. Uh, but basically, just as a quick background, the it's something like a gift to the warder or some kind of exchange is what Rand thinks. They get some benefits from the bond. They heal more quickly. They can go longer without food or water or sleep. And supposedly they can sense Trollocs if they're close enough and other creatures of the Dark One, which is probably how Land and Moraine knew that the Trollocs were coming, right? They sensed them before anyone else could in the village and they rushed out of the inn to warn everyone. And everyone's like, what's going on? What do you mean, Trot? Oh! And then they go on to blame them after the fact. Okay, I said this. Sorry, right. sorry to all the land stands. Lan is basically a simp to Moraine. Okay, that's, uh, that's what is <laughs> occurring here. Like, he's I mean, super powerful, she's super powerful. I would simp to Moraine if that's, am I using the term correctly? But yeah, that's kind of what I was getting. Also, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention as Tam is sort of warning Rand about Aes Sedai and stuff and I'm like all right the fact that he distrusts Aes Sedai it's understandable right you're being told all these stories throughout your life they're usually the villains however she saved your life and she saved your life solely because she's Aes Sedai not because she has medical like incredible medical knowledge like Nynaeve so just I think I think just like trust her a little bit maybe but you know yeah, maybe maybe don't trust her 100%, but Moraine did go out of her way even after she was completely exhausted fighting off Trollocs pretty much single-handedly to save this person that she doesn't even right. know. So maybe they're not yeah. completely evil and just give give her a little credit, Tam. Okay? I know, I know. Yeah, that's um it's not going to be much better for a while, I'll mm-hmm. just say that. Mm-hmm. They they take a long time to come around to anyone they distrust in the Two Rivers, so prepare yourself. Yeah. But yeah. how about from here we get into the story of Manetherin? I, yes. Actually, yes, let's do that. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about yeah. why Moraine went full shutdown mode. 
because oh yeah uh that that was honestly hilarious where the villagers are talking and they're just like she's an Aes Sedai and I don't like this Mm -hmm. this is what I'm sensing this is like a mob being all mad because a woman has more power than they do that's what I was well and to be fair only women can be this powerful Mm. in this day and age a men who can channel the one power get dealt with quote unquote in some kind of way so women are the only ones who can do these types of feats and they're definitely feared and also respected because of that but a lot of people just tend to fear them because they're some crazy unknown thing so of course you know these people in the village who have only heard crazy stories about Aes Sedai being villains don't like it's it's i it's ridiculous that even after she's healed yeah. everyone in the village and saved everyone, right. that they're acting this way. I mean, right, that's how beliefs work. That's how ignorance works. It's just, it's so deep because, of course, what all of this is, is just absolute fear. It's just all yeah. fear. They don't want to understand it is absolute fear. So I was happy that, mm-hmm. you know, Bran and Luhan, they were like, mm-hmm. okay, we get it. We heard the same stories growing up. We share the same mistrust or distrust. But we would all be dead. We would absolutely be dead or worse. We would have been eaten alive by Trollocs if not for them. So let's just hang back. And then Moraine, I said, she comes in up here from the clouds. Yeah. Just to go off. So I said, go off, sis. Yes, indeed. Go off, Moraine. Go. Love it. Ah. This story lasted like... I was lost. Two and a half pages. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. So this is... The lore dump, essentially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she starts to tell a story of the city called Manetherin, which is a city that was around 2,000 years ago. So a long time ago, people haven't even heard of it. So basically, during the Trolloc Wars, again, 2,000 years ago, the Trolloc Wars were just a time when Trollocs came from the Blight in the north and attacked all of the, the southern lands, essentially. So during the Trolloc Wars, the army of Menethrin was far away from home when they heard a Trolloc army was on its way to their city. They made this impossible march back. They were so far away, it was nearly not possible for them to make it back in time to defend the city, but they did it, and they made it in time to face the Shadow Spawn. In the army of Menethrin... Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, this is going to be like a teacher-student scenario, because I really want to learn this, but I'm confused. Okay, so basically... This was the time of Aes Sedai? Like, Aes Sedai were around men and women? No. So this is, that was more than 3,000 years ago. This is 2,000 years ago. So this is after the breaking, Okay. but before current days. Okay. So they rush back home, make it back just in time to face the Shadow Spawn as they're about to cross this river called the Tarendrill. Okay. So... If the army of Menethrin can hold out for three days, they were told aid would come. But no help ever came. They fought alone for ten days, which was, again, something that should have been impossible. But again, the stubbornness persisted. And they're not Aes Sedai. Like, they're just fighting with, like, kettles or whatever Rand was doing. (laughs) I mean, they're fighting with, like, swords and stuff. I don't know if they had any... I don't think at that point... They had any Aes Sedai fighting with them, but they're they're just fighting against this Trolloc army. By the way, this army of Shadowspawn has Trollocs. It has Dreadlords who can channel the One Power. <laughs> uh, so they're up against some pretty 
bad odds, essentially. There's a lot of death in this fight. And finally, the army of Menethrin is forced to cr cross the river, burning the bridges behind them, which gives them a, a little time, but not very much, before the Trolloc army is able to cross over as well. The king gives notice to the city to flee, so the queen starts getting everyone ready. Everyone starts to leave to safety, anyone who can't fight. But others, farmers, shepherds, woodsmen, and women, rally to fight back against the Trolloc army, even though it's certain death. And I love this quote, not a single step of ground was given up until it was soaked in blood. Mm. So the, the through line for this fight is that the people of Menethrin were so, I don't want to say stubborn, but they were so determined right. to save their city, or at the very least give their people enough time to make it out, that they gave up all of their lives. It was... It was a bloodbath. It wasn't good for the city of Menethrin. They were just mm. trying to give a few survivors enough time to get away. And eventually, the whole army did fall, including the king. Can you imagine, just for a moment, like, having any... Like, having that level of loyalty to anything? It's like, I right. will not only give up my life, but I will fight until I am literally no more. And not only I will do this, but every single person to protect this land, to give, like, two people a chance. Yeah. Women who had probably never picked up a sword in their lives just mm -hmm. grab whatever they can and they run down to fight the Trollocs, these things that are, like, eight feet tall yeah. and some crazy mishmash of human and animal, something that's just horror. Right. But you, you go fight it because you have to. I'll, I will say, though, if uh, my girl Allsbit from a few episodes, or from a few chapters ago, oh, yeah. she was around... Yeah. Trollocs would have no chance. No, no chance whatsoever. She was coming at them with, like, well, wasn't that the quote? Like, even after the Trollocs were long gone, she was still, like, going out trying to hunt them, and the husband's mm -hmm. like, I, mm -hmm. she just, I don't know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just stay out of her way. <laughs> don't look like a Trolloc in front of her. <laughs> yeah. But, no, and I, I also want to point out that uh, Moraine called the people of Menethrin a thorn in the Dark One's foot, a mm. bramble in his hand. So they were... They stood against the shadow no matter what, which I think also played a big part in why they tried as hard as they did to hold their land. But again, eventually, the king and his army fell, and the queen, who happens to be an Aes Sedai of great strength, felt the king die. And driven by her grief, she channeled the one power and decimates the Trolloc army, forcing their few survivors to flee the lands of Menethrin. But she uh, unfortunately drew too much power, and she died as well, consumed by fires that consumed the city of Menethrin as well. So it was sort of like, if the king can't survive, no one survives, because she kills herself and the entire city and the Trollocs. So by that point, I think it's implied that the people of the city left. They were gone, but she was the last one there waiting for the king. And when she felt him die, she just kind of lost it and draws so much of the one power, too much for anyone to handle on their own, that she's able to wipe out essentially this whole army before it even makes it to the city. But when you do that, you kind of you kind of burst into flames because it's just this, this intense power. This is exactly power. what happened to Luz Theron, right? Like, consumed by his grief. Right, exactly. He bolts himself yes. into a mountain. Yeah. So. Yeah, so she doesn't quite make a mountain. She just burns the city to the ground. Menethrin is no more but the few survivors of the city 
eventually settle in what is now the Two Rivers. And so this is what Moraine is shaming them for, because she's like, your people, 2,000 years ago, were a thorn in the Dark One's foot, and now you're here complaining to me that I brought the Trollocs here, and you can't even handle the Trollocs on your own? Who are you? This is not what your blood was back in the day. It's amazing. It reminds me of those things where it goes, you know, my... My ancestors survived so I could look at memes on my phone at 5 a.m. Right. I know. So much shame. My ancestors survived and hunted their own food and gathered their own water. And to produce me. browsing Reddit Hello. at <laughs> Hello. I made a podcast. Yeah. Dad, are you proud of me? <laughs> that hit a little too close. Never mind. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So basically... Yeah, there's these epic people. Yeah, I like that Moraine shuts them up. Because it's not in Moraine's nature to sort of, I think, walk away from a fight. Obviously, she's a fighter. She's eyes to die. But it's mm-hmm. not in her nature to sort of ignore them either. She's like, I'm not only going to shame you, but I'm going to teach you about your entire history. Because she did come as a historian, after all. Like, she wasn't uh, Yeah, lying. true. Turns out she is a librarian, after all. Turns out, and still an ethereal weirdo. I'm sure when she was saying this speech, she was floating, but as she was getting heated, she was floating, like, a little (laughs) bit higher, you know? Right, Uh uh-huh, yeah. I mean, just the fact that she was whirling her staff around to get everyone's attention, and not just that, but she also had the staff making flames out of each end, like some epic, like, WWE entrance type of thing. Hard as hell. She's like, all right, pay attention to me, I'm magical. Look at me right now. Yeah, exactly. Excuse you what. Exactly. I I told Julia this pre-show, but I love this quote before Moraine started. Um, The two Coplins looked as if they never wanted to open their mouths again. I believe that's the moment that Mm -hmm. they shit themselves. Literally. Like, they pooped their pants and were just like, I... So, I'm terrified. But I can only hope to shut someone down this way Can you at imagine? some point in my life. You know, just shame them enough to apologize to me. Absolutely. And then be like, you can do whatever you want. That's the dream. I mean, there's so many really. examples uh, today with any, like, bullshit legislature that's come through um, in this country about multiple things we don't have to get into. But, yeah, just to sort of, right. like, go and shut down people. Like, here's the history, and this is why it's so important to understand history and why we need more people to learn about history because mm-hmm. it repeats itself. And we do things in the present day, ignoring history, and that's why shit is always fucked up. Okay? Well, let's mm-hmm. learn about yeah. history. I kind of went off there, but I just really appreciate Moraine. Not only strong-ass woman, but just, like, an appreciator. That's not a word. A person who appreciates history so much that she uses it to shame men. It's such a flex, mm-hmm. and I love it. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, and I think it does, like... It shows her personality a little bit more Mm -hmm. when she's talking about the death of the king. Her voice held the sound of cold tears, which just says so much to me. Like, this isn't just some story to her to be used willy-nilly to shame people. She's there with the queen, and she feels the loss of these people that were a thorn in the Dark One's foot. And she wished that the people of the Two Rivers were still like that, that there might be some semblance of that old blood mm-hmm. still within them. And she's so disappointed that it's not. Right. Or at least that 
this group of people don't really show that right. trait anymore. Well, and it's crazy because this this piece of history happened two thousand years ago, and she still has this like visceral reaction yeah. to this death. It almost makes me wonder if all I Sedai have this like connection to each other and to their emotions, and they all sort of. Well, the the whole the theme of the series, this wheel of time, this like uh, what is it the the loom that's being woven, wheel weaves, like it's all connected in some way. Mm-hmm. But especially with the eyes to die, like maybe Moraine can feel that grief that maybe the queen felt, and maybe she can she understands how much it took to draw that much of the one power and to actually cause yourself death. So I think yeah, but you're right. It's not just this story to shame men, as I just said. It's so much more. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right about that. She, at the very least, knows what it would take to destroy a Trolloc army to that extent. I mean, she just had to use an Angriol mm. to deal with whatever, however many, like a hundred or two hundred Trollocs that came to the village last night, and this army that the queen of Manetherin destroyed was tens of thousands. So it's just on a completely different level. Again, so impressive. I love the story. Even though it's from a long time ago, technically has nothing to do with current day. Such, I, just the lore. I live for the lore in this whole series. Did you get your lore book? Is there a portion of this in the lore book? I did. I haven't actually read it yet. So I I need to do that. I'm a little worried that if I read it a lot, I'm going to forget what you know and what I know and how much I can say. No, that, that's fair. So, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I have a couple more points before we get into your predictions. Okay. Just one thing I wanted to make note, uh, another name of the Dark One is Baal Zaman. Mm-hmm. It's just mentioned on page 139. I just wanted to Be-el-Zabab. bring it up. Yeah. Ex- well, I mean, it's it's very similar. Yeah. You'll find a lot of words are similar to our words mm-hmm in English, even though they're speaking. Does that make sense? There are similar words. You can make the connections. No, yeah, there are similar words to our current reference points in our real world. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Shaitan means devil in Arabic. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty known, though. Right, right. So just that, if you hear someone say that, it means the dark one. Also some funny moments in this chapter, although there weren't a there, ton. Oh, yeah, there, there wasn't a ton, but there is one that I'd like to mention later. Okay, I like when tam thinks he can get out of bed in a few days and rand is like oh no um so moraine said it's gonna take a few weeks and she talked to moraine sadai said that (laughs) yeah and also she talked to mistress alvir who's the mayor's wife the innkeeper's wife uh and tam immediately knows that he's done for like he there's no way he's getting out of bed any sooner he's like well maybe but he knows He knows Mr. Zalvir is going to keep him in bed until he's completely better. Also, as Lan is trying to hurry Rand out of Tam's room, he says, oh, Tam witnesses this and tells Rand to go now before that man does himself an injury. <laughs> Loved that. The disrespect to Lan. Oh, man. And also Lan just has no time for any no. bullshit. He tells Rand, we have to hurry. Don't you understand the word trouble? No chill. Yeah, no chill whatsoever. He's got shit to yeah. do. He's got to protect Moraine. He's got to take these stupid sheep herders along with him for yeah. the ride. He can't believe it. Now he's got other people to care this for. Is a, this is a weird reference point, as all of mine are. But Lan is, to me, he represents sort of the, like, the logical part of Moraine, where Moraine is obviously the Aes Sedai, but Lan is the person who's like, all right, 
we need to go. Moraine is not going to say this to you, but we need to go. All right, you guys are all idiots. You're all sheep herders. Right. But it reminds me of, do you remember the Key and Peele sketch, Luther, who was Obama's anger translator? Where it's like, Obama's yes. the presenting. Oh my God. And then Luther's back there like, yeah. this is what I actually mean. So I think Lan kind of represents that. Yeah. He's like, all right, Moraine's not going to say this shit to you, but yes, I uh, love that. we need to get the fuck out of here okay sorry about your <laughs> yeah. dad but that yeah. was the quote I was gonna bring up no that's that's perfect it's exactly yeah. the dynamic that is between them he's just gonna tell it to you bluntly yeah. he doesn't say very much ever but if he says anything it's gonna be blunt and to the point no. every word he says has purpose mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then the last moment is also land focused when they're all downstairs in the inn kind of peeking through the doorway to watch Maureen as she uh you know shames the villagers and Land mutters to Rand to be careful as Rand comes up to the door, but he also opens the door a little bit wider for Rand so he can see too. So I just thought there's a little bit of a softy well, in there. Well, also it's like... You can get that a little bit. As I said, Land's a simp from Moraine, so he's like, watch my woman work. Look at her. Control all this. Also, this is important history, Rand, so just like be a student. Right. So, But yeah, yeah. no, you're right. Maybe you learn about your people or something. Yeah, Land's yeah. gonna warm up. To people just slightly but he's still going to be that stoic warder swordsman because mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. bound to mm-hmm. moraine so it's not like he's going to be like at a brothel fucking around like he has a job right yeah type no, of sitch. he's got shit to do and no time to do nope. it and sheep herders to to herd herd hey. so <laughs> that's that's it for my points what do you got all right so i really only have one prediction but included in my Coplin talk portion I just did a quick favorite character power ranking just because uh I don't know I thought of it so obviously Nynaeve is my number one as I said she wasn't mentioned in this chapter doesn't matter she's iconic and I said I don't need to explain she's a G all right everyone knows this mm-hmm. Rand mm-hmm. that's my number two he does have somewhat whiny like Luke Skywalker type tendencies um but obviously he's the he's the he's the one so obvious to me so, but I really can't wait for his journey and his character arc. I, I love characters like this where they start one way, but you can tell just based on this dream what I was saying, like, Rand is so much more than what he's presenting and he has so many more, like, thoughts and fears and I'm just so excited for all of what he's about to go through as the hero in the hero's journey. But 2A, so Rand's 2, 2A, right below Rand, that's Lan. And I say this because my mm-hmm. favorite quote in the entire chapter, say your goodbyes quickly, sheep herder. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, can't miss the moment to call him a sheep herder. Clearly, you don't have to be hearing the words spoken, but Tam and Rand are having a very tearful, most likely the last time they're going to see each other goodbye and Land comes in. Are you done? Are you Yeah, he done? literally sheep pulls herder? Rand out yeah. of the room. He's like, no, 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 come on, we gotta go. I just, I love him so much that's just savage energy but as we just said before as lan is not a flashy guy major speak softly carry a big stick energy teddy roosevelt like you don't need to Mm. know anything about him or hear him you know he's important and you know he's going to get the job done very important energy there so he's my 2a um my third favorite character or fourth i guess it's it's matt i just This is obviously a very heavy story, a very uh, detail-oriented story, and so this character is so needed, this uh, comic relief. And I'm never going to forget the flower prank. That's just an iconic moment, 
And I hope he kind of continues mm-hmm. that uh, through their travels. Also, I just think Matt's really cool. I want to get to know him better, not only as mm-hmm. Rand's friend, but just as his own person and as, his, as he also is going to be learning about channeling and stuff. So I hope that, although we're definitely going to be focused on Ranmore and Moraine, I hope Matt kind of gets a chance to shine. But there are 14 books, so maybe we go a little, we little bit right, more Matt. we got plenty of time. I'm hoping. And Perrin is supposed to be coming oh, yeah, with them, Perrin. too. Oh, yeah, I so forgot about him. we got to learn about both yes. of them more. Um, and then, not on my list, but I just wanted to point out, once again, the worst character is the Gleeman, and there's literally no competition. Like, no one. <laughs> okay. Trollocs? Nargi Boy? I like Nargi Boy more than the Gleeman, because... I mean, I can understand that at this point. You're not, you're not going to come for me like you did, Tam. No more Gleeman slander. <laughs> Listen, all... We'll get there. Oh, okay. We'll get there. We'll get with there. other characters. I'll I'll hold you back if you go too hard on characters, but I don't want to. I don't want to let my opinion uh, guide you too much. If that no, no, makes that's sense. fair. That's yeah, totally fair. Uh, as it stands now, uh, I am out on the gleam, and I have been literally since he <laughs> opened his mouth. Um, so here's here's my actual prediction, and we actually already touched on this. So the quote that Rand says to Tam, "I will come back. I promise you that." Anytime there's a promise, it means a lot, all right? If we're going to use the word promise in a fantasy series, that means a lot. So he's like, I will come back, I promise you that. So Rand, here's my prediction. Rand will return to Emmons Field, absolutely. But Tam will be dead, and I believe Tam will probably have been dead for a long time. Uh, And this goodbye that they share is the last time they're going to see each other. Tam, I believe, knows that Rand doesn't. As we've talked about, Rand is still very naive, 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 naive to this whole situation <laughs> and what he's about to go through. But I think Tam understands it's the last time they're going to see each other. So going along with that, Rand will never ask Tam about his true parents and sort of all the truth uh, about. Hello, Ellen. <laughs> Sorry, my cat. It's her snack time, and she's disturbed that I haven't fed her yet. She just went right into the mic. Ellen, I'm almost done. I promise yeah. you. So, Rand will never know the truth, at least not from Tam. But I believe he will know the truth elsewhere uh, about his parents, and I think that might come a bit later. So that, that's it's my my light. My light prediction. I'm so excited for the next chapter. Like, let's mm-hmm. get out of Emmons Field. Let's get out I of the know. two rivers. Like, yeah. let's start this let's journey. Let's take some let's, leave. Yeah, let's leave. Take, Please. Take leave. Take a leave of absence <laughs> yeah. from Emmons Field. No, and thank you for bringing it up in your prediction, because I forgot to. This is a huge po- bullet point <laughs> in this chapter is Rand yeah. can't bring himself to talk to Tam about what Tam said while he was in his fever about not being his father and things like that. This this is obviously going to be a point that sticks with Rand for a while now because he doesn't get closure here, at least not yet. So that's that's another... There was a lot going on oh, in this so chapter, much. honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think it just speaks to, obviously, your identity is tied to who your parents are, who your true parents are, right? Your biological parents. So as Rand mm-hmm. is struggling with his identity as possibly a very powerful person he's also struggling with this very basic identity of well who who are my this or who are my ancestors who am I related to it's if it's Mm -hmm. not this man who's raised Mm -hmm. me my entire life if it's not this woman that I knew to be my mother um and I think he just has so much else going on that like you said he can't bring himself to ask Tam and honestly that's understandable like yes you you want to have this large conversation 
Um, and I think it's obvious that Tam doesn't remember saying anything because I think if Tam remembered that he mentioned this to Rand, he would bring it up. Yeah, like I said, I I'm pretty sure Tam so. knows this is the last time they're going to see each other. So it is sad, yeah. but I think that this leaves open the possibility to explore Rand's identity more and his struggles with his own identity uh, in the realm of him dealing with everything else he's about to go through. So there's a lot. This is why Rand's my number two. He's just, he has so much character left to build and left to grow. I'm just so excited to see where he goes. Like it, he, he's just, it's, it's going to be great. And also, come on, her name's Egwene Rand. I know you forgot, but y'all, y'all are going to come back to each other. Yeah. Well, to close it out, let me say that the character arcs and the lore in this series are a hundred percent why this is my Mm -hmm. favorite series, the favorite fantasy series of all time. It's, it's such a good journey. I'm so excited to finally leave the village next episode, hopefully. But yeah, we'll find out next week. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a hefty one, but yeah, so much to get into. Uh, So with that said, we are coming in hot with chapter 10, leave taking. I can only assume they're going to leave. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so until then, everyone, send us any thoughts you might have, all right? Have you had a dream about Palpatine eating your face? Is that your dream, Julia? Was that what you were saying? Oh, that was my dream last night, yep. (laughs) So if you have dreams that maybe allude to you being the chosen one of your own personal story, just send us an email or really anything else that's kind of light. Copland Talk at gmail.com. Coplins kind of were featured a lot in this chapter, just being idiots, just being true Coplins. So that's C-O-P-L-I-N-T-A-L-K at gmail.com. Email us. Also find us on Twitter at Talk. I run the account. So uh, if you have any spoilers to say on there, I know hashtag Twitter of time. (laughs) I love that Twitter of time. Can be pretty spoiler heavy. So Lily's not allowed. No. Lily's not allowed to look at our Twitter. If you're a first time reader, be careful of of Twitter. I think people usually try their best to not spoil, but it's tough. Follow us on Twitter if you want. Uh, We'll post when there's new episodes going up and maybe some of the pictures that I've been showing Lily along the way. If you need reference points and you're afraid to Google for them yourself, we got you. But other than that, we'll see you next week. See you next week. That's it. I don't actually have a quippy sound off. (laughs) I know. Um, Um, uh, Bye. Bye.